we are live from the Brexit bunker. Article 50 has not been triggered. We are not leaving. We'll never leave. We're like a child that can't leave their mother. Thankfully, we do still have an internet connection, though. We're still keeping up to date with all the latest gossip and news. We get gas and <laughs> gas from we Germany. Gas. Yeah, we do get gas. We, we yeah. get, where do we get our internet from? Iceland. And uh, we've been illegally downloading movies this week. Well, Iman didn't see it. He was asleep. I watched a movie called The Commune, a Danish film. Before that, though, going to be talking about how I think Trump has a good chance still, despite the polls, the latest polls, I think he's still got a chance of taking it. I like winning. I mean, like, you can have a screaming baby or whatever you want over there. And I, I like winning. The baby just is crying out for me. That's what I'm What am I saying? He loves me. He saw me on TV. The baby is great. I love crying babies. They're great. I was one a crying baby. Look how well I've done. Kicking us off with a bang. We're asking the question, how do we stop terrorism or more to the point Islamic terrorism? Someone has glued the switch to on. (laughs) Islamic terrorism is a go. All that and probably more as we go off topic on the Tom, Dick and Hyman show. Yes, as we said in the intro there, asking the question, how do we stop terrorism? All terrorism. Are we talking all terrorism here? Can we can we no. can we can we stop terror before it even starts? I mean I'm thinking we have to stop all shadows from happening so no baby can see a shadow and get scared. It, you can't destroy what would be an abstract concept and just terrorism. So we're not generally. fighting fire with fire, just no. jumping out of people, scaring them so much that they don't care anymore. <laughs> That's how you fight terror. I like it. <laughs> no, but obviously, we're talking about it's Western centric fear of Islamic terrorism. Of Islamic terrorism. I like both. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, I think we were at the point, probably around 2008, 2009, where we we're just ready to accept that a militaristic answer is not going to fix this. You can't bomb terrorism out of existence, basically. No, no. I mean, unless terrorism collectively went up on stage and tried to do a comedy act yeah i mean what's shown to work way way better is actually most terrorist groups the kind of thing with terrorism is that they tend to have a legitimate grievance where actually that might they might be like an ethnic community that's being unfairly oppressed and do you know what i mean and that's their grievance and they think well because we're oppressed we're not part of a political process we don't have a political party we're not represented in government what have you so we'll that, do this grand gesture a violent grand a gesture. violent grand gesture because what else are we going to do this is stamping their fear i mean admittedly it's it's a lot more respectable than fathers for justice <laughs> just climbing up on roofs yeah i mean like yeah i i respect them a whole lot more i might listen to them if they started <laughs> Blowing up creches. <laughs> Fathers for justice. What what justice do you want? You want to see your kids? Oh, I see. That's why you left them a note going, please empty this creche. We're going to bomb it soon. Do you know what they did? Do you remember that pram company that made um, giant prams so that adults could test drive them? Fathers for justice would steal one and run over. Running people <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, like in, in essence, you can look at the militaristic tactics that was used in terrorism to fighting terrorism, say, late 90s early 2000 was almost akin to like what the americans did in vietnam going like we can't 
fight this guerrilla war. It's a guerrilla yeah. war type thing. Oh, they're, like, they're hiding behind the leaves. Then we yeah. will destroy all the leaves. Like, yeah. yeah. A, a, a blanket bombing doesn't really do anything. The point being, if they can't be part of a political process, they will turn to violence, most likely. Because they have a legitimate grievance, they're, they're not going to go away. But that doesn't always work. It depends we, how... We, we've got an uncomfortable peace in Ireland. But it did kind of work, though, because we brought the IRA in. Yes, but... In, to the political process, and then they stopped the bombing. Because ISIS, yeah, Al-Qaeda, what they want, their grievance is the fact that the world is not a global Islamic caliphate. Well, so there's not a hell of a lot of room to negotiate there. Well, we gave Black History Month a try, and that stopped a lot of LA riots. Why can't we? <laughs> <laughs> why, why can't OJ, we? The why? OJ trial is what stopped. Oh, okay. <laughs> Back to the OJ trial. My obsession. <laughs> My okay. fetish. So, okay. So they, they want a total extreme, and that will never. It's too much. It is. It's... Yeah, they're asking too much. So really, the best solution is bringing the terrorist group into the political process where they're no longer these terrorists. Okay. Is that bringing them into the global poli- global political thing or no, down more... down to the, 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 the dirt, uh, not the dirt, the local, on, the yeah, on the ground, yeah. the regional type mm. politics? Preferably the more local, the better. Yeah. When the political process fails, though, you don't automatically jump. You don't go, oh, politics has failed. Bring no. out the military. No, it doesn't go like that. What you should do at that point is go for the counterterrorism, which Obama, that's the, the big change. The reason why Obama, everyone complains Obama got the uh, Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, that didn't like, make oh. sense. He, well, he was in power for oh. like five he, months. He, got, he only got it because he's not Bush. Yeah, that was the point. Bush, the Bush doctrine, either you're with us or we'll bomb the fuck out of you, which is the Bush doctrine. Yeah, he changed that. He was like, no, 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 no. We need to end. Did you notice how the war on terror phrase stopped when Obama came in? Yeah, it's because no, he consciously terror, made yeah. the choice to stop. No, it's not a war. It's counterterrorism, and that's the correct route to go when the political process fails. You don't automatically jump to bombing them. But then also calling it counterterrorism doesn't necessarily mean that everything they do is a terroristic thing. Counterterrorism is almost saying like we're opposed to their thought process. It's I, I thought you were going the way of like saying they're not warriors, they're not soldiers, they're just criminals. That's what terrorists ah, are. No they're criminals. But yeah, no, I mean that was very true. Like the uh like they're criminals. Calling yeah. it terrorism almost kind of hypes it up to something bigger than it is. Ah, so I did a terroristic we... thing by breaking into your house. No, you broke into my house, you fucking you're a burglar. You, yeah, you thug. Yeah, you're, you, you terrorize me. Mm. Don't worry. That's definitely true. Yeah, like thugs that's, do. That's, that's an after effect. That's what thugs do. They terrorize yeah. you. They get the shit out of you yeah. and then they take your wallet. It is by virtue terror, but it's from my perspective. Yeah. The word terror, I think, is a, is a misnomer, is a useless word, is a, a no, I think it's all in no, everything. I think, I think it does serve a purpose. It's, it's fine. It's just the idea that don't raise them above their station. They're just criminals and treat them that way. But, what, like, how do you treat criminals? When someone commits a big crime and say you can't, say you can't physically arrest them because they're in a foreign country somewhere and they're protected by their state officials or what have you, right? Yeah. There are things you can still do. Well, you sanctions. Can, yeah, exactly. Market you can sanctions. seize, you can seize their assets. You can freeze their bank accounts. You can do things like that. 
thing. I don't know if we're actually doing that right now or not. I don't know. I've no. never, I've never <laughs> read in a paper that we're, you know, some uh, Salifi imam in a university somewhere had his bank account frozen. You seize their liquid assets. If they um, say they've got a studio somewhere where they're making YouTube videos and daily motion videos to radicalize people, go They're, take that shit. No, there are hundreds of different kick types of kickstarters. And, kick the door in and take that they shit. They crowdfund it, man. You, they lose their personal wealth. Doesn't mean they can't make that money yeah, up then, anyway. Then go get their fucking patrons then. Figure what? out who's bankrolling them. Oh, we know who's bankrolling them. It's fucking Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Part of Saudi Arabia's Wahhabi mission mm. is to set up universities in the West, like schools where imams go and they radicalize the young Muslim men and women there. Yeah. Shut those universities down. Oh, I agree. Shut with them you. down. I agree with you that, but you can't, you can't go in there. Fucking rough the them up. You can't turn the ship around that quickly. As you said, it takes 20, 30. It takes. Oh, that's no, that's nation building takes. Yeah. But no, to, but, to, but yeah, talking right. about these education ideas. Yeah, yeah it could take, yeah. That's right. nation. The youth is that nation. Mm. It could take a long time to deprogram, I guess. But, yeah. So like we say, the problem with the military strategy is there's too much collateral damage. It becomes a recruitment tool. The fact that you killed innocent civilians and you're basically like uh, the Hydra snake, cut one head off, another one grows, right? So what we should do in lieu of that, instead of that, start upping the budget for counterterrorism measures. Start upping the budget for your local police force. But then, if you've got the money, if you've got the money in, or at least infused back into that police force thing, why would you have to fuck about with them when you've got that money to actually stake out the person and catch them? Then that's what I mean. Have a presence as well. Yeah. You know? No, I mean I, highly I, visible presence. There's always been a draining of money in the police force, but then also if you look at the wages. Of the mm. police and the emergency service, they haven't grown. Yeah, you're right. They're underpaid, basically. Yeah, they're underpaid and they're overworked and there's shit ton of paperwork. Well, they could That's- be doing, they could be doing extra paperwork in the sense of reading up on what the different Islamic sects are, the different groups, figure out who belongs to what and start thinking in terms of there are Muslims out there. There's Muslims out there that have no intention of ever being a terrorist. They're not jihadists. They're never going to strap explosives to themselves, right? There are Muslims out there that are universalist, mm-hmm. like Sufi Muslims. I think I'm probably mispronouncing this. The uh, Mahdi or Mahdi Muslims, like that guy in yeah. the shopping, uh, the guy in the shop who got stabbed. The by guy, yeah, Muslim. I remember you telling me about They're that. They're very universalist. They are the last Muslims on earth who are ever going to engage in terrorism. The okay. problem is, they're hated by every other Muslim sect. We should be on their side. Can I... What about just a change of perspective on it? Why do we start using the word Muslim? Why don't we talk about... Because they use it. No. Why don't we start bringing it into it and breaking it down even more and getting people to understand it better by going like, you this know is... A, yeah, this is a Sufi. You know right? why. People are too afraid of looking like a racist. If you start saying, which is essentially what we're saying, start sorting out the good and the bad Muslims, right? I'm not saying that, but I'm... We no, are in essence. No, no, but no, no. We I, acknowledge there are good and bad Christians, there are good and bad atheists, there are good and bad Hindus. No, like, but I'm saying get it down to the idea of, like, educate people again, like, oh, that guy's a Sufi, Yeah. all right? We're not saying, oh, they're just a Muslim. What we should do is say, look, there's a lot of Muslims out there that aren't terrorists whatsoever, like you say... Plus, they're hated by other Muslims. But what I think, you, like you say, bring them in on the conversation. Bring them in to the political process, but make a point of saying they are 
Sufi Muslims. Don't just call them Sufis, but make references in regards to them yeah, to Islam, yeah. to Muslims. And so other Muslims who aren't Sufis, say, mm. will still look at that and go, we're, we're part, we Muslims are part of the political process. Yes. I mean, how pissed off must certain Muslim groups or certain Muslim people when they see someone on a news channel going like, this is our Muslim correspondent. You're going like, yeah. well, he doesn't represent me. But like you say, when you bring them in on the conversation, you are heavily reducing the chances of alienation, yeah, of not integrating, and you're reducing the chances that they will think only violence works. And that's obviously the end goal, is to stop the bombings and the stabbings and the shootings and the running people over. We should be highly supportive of, like I say, people like the Sufi Muslims, the really non-violent universalist ones, and importantly, ex-Muslims. There's lots and lots of ex-Muslims. Mm. What do you mean by ex-Muslims? As in they're like la- like a lapsed Catholic. Yeah. But like is, I, I'm C of E, but I don't go to church. Yeah. I've got an idea. Culturally Muslim, yeah. but Culturally, I don't actually. I get that what you mean. Don't okay. act, not a true believer. There are former radicalized Muslim terrorists out there who used to be part of terrorist groups. Like one is Majid Nawaz, and he's yeah. got his organization, Quilliam. Q-U-I-L-L-I-A-M. And they're one of only a handful of organizations that's actually successfully de-radicalized Islamic terrorists. And a good thing is, you might be able to convince them that, look, we've deprogrammed you, right? You understand that these groups are terrible. What they're doing is completely wrong. It's not Islamic, what have you, Mm. right? But let's let you be our mole. You're connected to these people. You're inside, as they yeah. say on TV and movies, right? Use that to your advantage. Deprogram them and then send them in as the, well, not double agent, but secret agent, right? Yeah, double He's agent. He's feeding you information, intelligence. <laughs> and then what you do as well, the oldest trick in the book, divide and conquer. A lot of terrorist groups ended because they was, there was some schism somewhere and they had a disagreement and they splintered off. And then when they splintered, they became much weaker and local authorities, police and what have you could deal with them a lot easier because they separated. They weren't a big group anymore. There was like the smaller the terrorist group is, the more likely you are that you can actually just eradicate them in one way or another. So we were saying earlier how we should treat terrorists just as criminals. And you were saying about how the media shouldn't show. By showing it on television, you're almost glorifying it. Because what you do on television, it, it is a single box. It is a single vision of this is the only thing happening. It doesn't matter how many channels you flick through. This box is showing you the outside world. This is a window to the outside world. It doesn't matter. Like you say, it's glorifying them, right? And um, you're going to get the copycats. Because someone's going to see it and go, oh, look at them. And they're, they're, they're not famous for 15 minutes. It's like 15 minutes of infamy. Yeah. But it's still, they know my name. No, they're saying my name on yeah. TV. And, yeah. no, they're, it, it, they're antagonizing my wife now that I left behind. <laughs> Fuckers. Because this is how we treated the IRA when they were bombing London and Manchester and what have you. We treated them just as criminals. We didn't glorify them. We didn't raise them above their station and make them out to be like these holy warriors or what have you. Well, I mean, that, that again, that comes down to the 24-hour news channel. We didn't have it before. We had a very defined idea or what the what the message was to go out. And most broadcasters stuck to it. Because um, I think integration is definitely important, right, in this it's the it's the, I, i'm bored of the socioeconomic bullshit argument of oh it's because they're poor and blah. it's not because they're poor it's because they feel like they don't have an identity that's tied to britain in a way where they actually care about britain you know i'm talking about home yeah, british home yeah sorry yeah Islamic yeah i get what you're right? saying yeah no totally i totally agree with you that they're going to integrate yeah 
there's there's no soul based growth mm. in it. It's almost kind of like, oh, well, this is it. I've I was born into it. I'm already a winner. I'm already I'm already at the top echelon of what I could be yeah. uh, by being a, a Muslim in England. <laughs> better off, better off trying. Not Muslims. Yeah, no. Why don't I try being a hero? Why don't I do a Dungeons and Dragons thing? Let me go find a journey and like, grow. Uh, Let me go into the wild. I think at they a young want, age. Like, I oh, think a you, lot of people want to live by a code that they're like an honor code. I think that is a strong. Uh, what, what would it be? It's, like, it's a fairy tale idea. Well, no, I think it's it makes you feel like your life has a purpose in some way, yeah. and that there's something bigger than you. And like you, like you're right when you say like our generation, they hate Britain. They think there's no such thing as Britishness, British values, right? No, um, they're wrong. They're wrong. But that when I know I know Indians, right, mm. who came here, discovered that British people hate themselves and they hate Britain. And they, like, they can't stand it. They're like, why do you hate your own? Like, you guys have it pretty good here. Yeah. You're an old country with a rich history. Uh, you have some soft power in the world. Mm. Like, why the fuck do you hate yourselves? And they can't understand it. And it pisses me off as well. But, I mean, that's the cultural narrative. It's the, it's the, the cultural narrative is this other end of the spectrum this childish we had all this power it's like someone kind of go like we lost it all in the market yeah, and now to... we have to slum it with everyone else going like what mm. what what type of mentality are you seeding into the world now that you're treating britishness like that i would love to establish a british civic nationalism like what they have in scotland and a little bit in wales not a ethnic it's not a white nationalism but that's the thing it's sold that's the first thing people think they're like yeah. Oh, you're in Europe. You must be white. Yeah, English. What? You can't have an English civic nationalism without the Guardian losing their shit. <laughs> the good news about Islamic terrorism, groups like Al Qaeda, ISIS, what have you, they don't actually pose an existentialist threat to Britain, to France, to America. They can't destroy us. They can't conquer us, right? That's the good news. No, but they harden us. It's, it depends on how do we react to them. We can make them really big. Mm. Or we can make them small. Like, you know, when in Tel Aviv, there's this, like, a very, um, the general consensus is, right, if a market in Tel Aviv gets blown up by a suicide bomber or what have you, the next day that market has to open and people have to go shop there to make the point that the terrorists did not affect us in any way. They were completely ineffectual. Yeah. We opened up the next day and people, there was commerce going, trading going on, blah, blah, blah. It had no effect whatsoever. And it's on us. It's how we react to Islamic terrorism. We yeah. kind of give it a strength it doesn't really have. Of course, we stand back and go, oh my God, oh my God, did you see that? Did you see that? I saw that. Did you see that? For two weeks yeah. later, going like, oh, do you see what? See what? Oh, yeah, yeah, that happened before, didn't it? Where did it happen? It happened over there. Okay, so that's all right then. It's not what didn't happen to us. You used to have that resolve back in the day. But we're children now. We, we we're were the country. like children. Yeah, we infantilized ourselves. We were the country that went through the blitz. Yeah, we were the country that went through, we were the country that went through fucking bombings by the IRA, all right? Yep. And I keep bringing it back because it's the easiest idea because people still forget they're actively against us. They're not blowing us up, but over oh, there in politics, we're in talks. No, you fucker, you total and total that's how you end up idiot. You end the terrorism. Bring them into the political process. All right. That's the end of segment one. Hooray. So I think Donald Trump has a pretty, pretty good chance of winning. 
the election. <laughs> okay, this is off off of watching the RNC and the DNC. Yeah, the Republican convention and the Democratic National Convention. Yeah, they were both um, pretty underwhelming, to be honest. Like there were no real solid policy announcements from either candidate, from either Hillary or Trump. But that's kind of part of modern day contemporary politics. You don't announce what your policies are, so the media journalists can't pick it apart. Exactly. Yeah, it's almost like in like RNC. DNC. <laughs> Woo! What did we learn? We learned that they care. So, I mean, Hillary right now, I think maybe about half the polls are showing she's starting to establish a clear lead over Trump. But if you take the aggregate polls altogether, it's yeah. still pretty fucking close. Again, I don't want to go off topic here, but uh, it doesn't matter what the individual says in America. It's the Electoral College. Yep. People don't know that. Yeah, this is what I think. I think Trump is going to lose what's called the popular vote, so the total vote. But yeah, he. I think he's going to win the Electoral College vote. All right, talking about, like, not a lot happening in it. The media still went nuts with it, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, you saw what happened with Ted Cruz. Oh, my God. That was, I, I, thought that. That was, I thought that was genius by Trump. Ted Cruz, Trump saw Cruz's speech ahead of time, so he knew Ted Cruz was not going to endorse him. And he also knew when Ted Cruz was going to be coming to the end of his speech. So when Ted Cruz is, like, three, four lines away from the end of his speech, Trump comes out from the back, and all of the attention goes to Trump, and all the cameras go to him. So as Ted Cruz is finishing his speech, no one's looking at him, and no camera... I don't think any cameras actually caught him walking off stage. No, it did a... It did a what? Who, me? On stage? <laughs> oh, my God, this is so impromptu. I was here two minutes ago, but... Bless him, Ted Cruz wasn't being a dick to trump he was actually he he didn't endorse him explicitly no but he put him over a little bit he still picked him up a bit he uh, this is the thing i don't get about american politics or i do understand it but i don't get it why the fuck do they all have to get behind him it's the unity party unity thing because they hate the democrats but that's the thing they want why can't they shore up their politics their idea why can't they like solidify who they are i think it's the difference between british and um, american politics we do not elect prime ministers in this country in no. this country we no. elect party yeah in america they pick the president yeah they pick individual um, messiahs typically there's two front runners and mm. then there's a couple of minor green and libertarian parties no, but, but I mean, the media have played their hand did you notice oh what as in the, i i noticed the media mainstream media with the notable exception of fox news of course fox news is republican party propaganda wing but like cnn fair and balanced yeah god cnn massively supporting hillary they they're not saying one negative word about hillary clinton <laughs> cnn is one of those odd channels that had so much power in the 90s yeah because it was the first 24-hour news channel yeah and now well fox news took away republican voters and yeah. conservative viewers and then i think msnbc started taking away the liberal progressive viewers of cnn yeah because they gave Fox News gives the Republicans and conservatives what they want to hear. MSNBC gives the progressives and the liberals what they want to hear. Yeah. But they've played their hand. The media, the mainstream media, with the exception of Fox News, they are hashtag never Trumpers. Mm. They do not want Donald Trump. But just because they're not followers of Trump doesn't mean they can get away with just having pro-Hillary. They are, though. CNN are, at the very least. I, I have a feeling that's going to come up on them. They'll get sued. They get sued. Trump's from pretty litigious. Yeah, yeah. He uh, takes that, it personally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the fact that they're not being fair to Trump will probably play. To, it'll probably be to Trump's advantage. You know how there was the Muslim guy whose son went off to Iraq and died 
and uh, he attacked Trump, and then Trump made the mistake of attacking him. He's like a military family yeah. whose son died. You can't attack him, basically. Yeah. That's the golden rule. On the other side, uh, a woman whose son died in Benghazi, mm. she was lied to by Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton said it happened because of this YouTube video and it was a negative reaction. It turned out that was bullshit. And um, the media treated the father of the Muslim soldier who died. Wait, the media is in CNN? CNN, yeah. yeah. They treated him with like complete reverence, total respect. Yeah. And they completely ignored this woman, Patty Smith, because she was pro. Well, I don't know if she was even really pro Trump. She just doesn't like Hillary but Clinton. It's, it's hard to prove a negative. Well, because she she blames Hillary Clinton for her son's death. Yeah. And to be honest, she does have a bit of a case. Uh, Libya. Yeah. That is, Obama didn't want to go into Libya. Hillary. He went at Hillary's behest. So just because you think he'll win, does that sway you? Do you want him to win? No. All right. All right. But guys. I don't want. I don't want Hillary to win either. Ah, Bernie, where are you, buddy? I mean, it's not up to me. I'm British. I'm not American, right? It shouldn't really matter. But look at it this way. Do you really want the Clintons in the White House again? It would like be an amazing fucking... sex scandal. It's like a... Do you really want a dynasty? A White House dynasty? Uh, I'm sorry. It's bad enough we had two generations of Bushes. Yeah. It's the same Clintons. <laughs> they yeah. shouldn't be allowed back. But Amer- as much as America wants to say it's this land of the free... They have dynasties. The media being this heavy-handed with Trump and mm. completely fawning with Hillary, I think it's going to play to Trump's advantage. I think most people can see through it. It's obvious that they're they're out for Hillary. They've played their hand too heavily. And I think Trump knows that's to his advantage where he gets to show, hey, look, I'm the establishment outsider. Yeah, I'm not I'm, part of the establishment. I'm a non-party member. Yeah, and the media really don't have their finger on the pulse of American citizens who hate the establishment mm. right now. I mean, it's, it's almost like he saw the wave of eight years ago, eight years worth of um, like Tea Party resurgence, res- and he basically said, well, that's never going to work. I'll wait for that to die down then politically but the pressure still communally to be there mm. i will come in and then i'll align myself to one party and then i'll i'll get that wave of pressure yeah and then trump knows we've still got a lot of time right until the actual election mm. and hillary's got a ton a ton of washington baggage on her and trump i think in the coming weeks and months he's going to step it up big time quick question when is the election november i think it's the first week of the first yeah. tuesday in november i think maybe second i, I thought know, so something like that between then and now though trump's going to step it up big time i've already seen there was a he's done a video his team have done a video where um it's a makeup of pac-man so the pac-man board you know yeah. the blue lines and the ghosts and the ghosts of the fbi the yellow dots are emails envelopes uh, and pac-man is hillary and so she's trying to eat all these all she's the trying emails. to delete all yeah. the emails before the fbi get. and that was like an official so yeah that's quite fun that's quite clever <laughs> he's the fun ha- candidate but she's a politician she's been in politics she knows how to play this she knows what well, she's doing mm, but she's not really doing any media stuff at the moment she's not really doing much in the way of press conferences she's not really doing much she hasn't done nearly half the amount of sit-down interviews trump's doing so he's getting himself out there whereas hillary's yeah. actually kind of i mean have you noticed he, she's got this cough no she was doing a rally and she was coughing she had a coughing fit for nearly three minutes oh wow and someone did someone uh, photoshopped in the bong uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i mean yeah i mean that's brilliant on trump because there's no bad publicity mm. even if he comes in, in and goes, yeah even if he comes on and says denies that he killed a cat he's kind of <laughs> like 
Yeah, but I'm spending five minutes on your news channel where all you're doing is showing me talking. He accused Ted Cruz's dad of being the Zodiac killer. No. <laughs> no, well, no, no, that was it. He accused him. He accused Ted Cruz's dad of being in on the JFK assassination. <laughs> he accused Ted Cruz of being the Zodiac killer. <laughs> He's fun and he's up against a charismaless robot. And in America, where the the, pers- the cult of personality is king or queen. I mean, don't get me wrong. I knew the tide was turning when Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, look, everyone thought Reagan was where the last point came. An ex-actor who then spent 20 years becoming a politician. But then Arnold Schwarzenegger, almost in a five-year stint, turns around going like, you know what, I'll be governor. If that could fucking happen... Yeah, and what else is going in Trump's favour? Every time there's a terrorist attack, either in America or in the West, mm-hmm. I think that favours Trump. I think his his polling numbers will go up a little bit. And other things like BLM, Black Lives Matter. This, mm-hmm. To me, uh, Black Lives Matter is a manifestation of the fact that race relations are getting worse in America. But that's almost... I think it helps Trump. No, but that's also like the Republican Party. The Republican Party is the react to... The the Democrat Party is the ones are the ones that are trying to stop it from happening. Social engineering, yeah. But the reason the reason I think because most people general wisdom would say, well, the Republicans are the anti-black party, right? So how is it going to be beneficial to Trump? It's going to be beneficial to Trump because I think a lot of the black community now are realizing the Democrats they just want our vote. Mm. Like you look at the black neighborhoods, the black cities, the black towns that are run by Democrats, and they're shitholes, and they're just they're left behind, and they're starting to get pissed off with it. No, but I think demographically, yeah, uh, the Democrats they tend to have to they need to get about eighteen ninety percent of the black vote, Hispanic vote, what have you. Otherwise, the Republicans just narrowly beat them. If Trump gets just like a third of the black vote he'll probably beat Hillary Clinton. See, that's the thing. Also, like, the black vote isn't the same as the Mexican vote. The Mexican vote is the hardworking, bootstrap, do-it-yourself type vote. And that's mm. what the Repu- that's why the Republicans have a shit ton of Mexicans. I want to work. I don't want handouts. Yes. Yeah, I'm seeing this a yeah. lot on where YouTubers will go into the rallies mm. and the protests and things like that. But that used to be the black vote. Yeah, yeah, that used to be the 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 black mentality yeah. of it as well, and then the and then the idea of the Republican idea of going like the market, and they voted for a Republican mm. because the market was the king, yeah. and then when the market left them, they were kind of going like, but you promised us, that yeah, this would. But Trump's saying the right thing to that because that's globalization. Yeah, the market moved to a different country. Mm. And he's saying the right things to attract those voters. Whether he could actually reverse globalization, I don't ne- think never he do could. That. Yeah, never do that. America, but he's just trying to get elected. Remember, that is true. That is so fucking frightening because we don't. We in this country, we don't hold politicians to the promises they made. I would respect mm. a politician if they promised us one thing, and then once they got in power. They explained why they realized they couldn't do it. It's easy to promise the world, but then you, the politics, politics is compromise. But to bring this back to Trump winning, uh, do you, do you think he has a chance or am I crazy? No, no, I believe he has a chance. I don't want him to have a chance, but I believe he has a chance. A with the, 
concept of the cult of celebrity and B with the whole individual is king. The okay. market is king. The, That's still um, a belief yeah. in America, yeah, yeah. much and more he, than here. And yeah. he said Hillary has no personality. And no. the problem is, as you were saying before, off air, being a woman doesn't matter anymore. As soon as Barack Obama got into power, being black, stop being a thing about everyone's going like yeah. oh, fuck we've got black politicians he, why, why are we worried about this anymore he why smashed he smashed the ceiling that women were going to go through anyway yes like probably even more so when you think about America and race relations there uh, yeah. he probably hit a bigger ceiling which is which is even don't more worry Hillary I got that ceiling for you which is even more <laughs> misogynistic that a man could do it that a man had to do it you know there's in Britain there's a thing called like the shy Tory effect where people they'll be asked by a pollster oh who are you going to vote for I'm going to vote Labour but really mm. they're not they're going to vote Tory but they yeah. don't want people to think they're a dick I think there's going to be a shy Trump effect going on I think these polls at the moment that are coming out showing Hillary's in the lead I think a lot of people are being asked who are seriously they're not committed to Trump but they're considering it because they yeah. really don't like Hillary I think they're telling pollsters oh yeah 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 I'm not oh no 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 no, no. I'm not going to vote no I'm not going to vote Trump I don't want people showing up on my doorstep trying to punch me in the face but that, that's I'm going to vote thing. Hillary that's the thing. No matter what anyone says, if you're Republican or Democrat, you're still a very liberal person compared to the rest of the world. You're still not, we're not, Someplace, we're, yeah. we're not reverting back to, say, a Stalinist or even 1950s Louisiana type idea of America. No matter what DNC, RNC, you're still open to a lot of things. Mm. So here in the UK, in the last election in 2015, the Tories were very, very smart. They did, they tallied a list of all the different constituencies and they completely ignored all the, uh, all of the seats that they knew were safe Tory seats. They ignored yeah. and didn't campaign in those seats. All mm -hmm. the seats they knew were safe Labour seats. They didn't campaign there either. They only campaigned. They focused all of their efforts on the swing seats. Those people who might vote Tory, but need to be nudged over the edge. If Trump and the Republicans do that, if they figure out the states that are swing states that they need to get to win the electoral college vote. So kind of national gerrymandering. You're not really gerrymandering. You're just being highly selective about where you're campaigning and focusing your efforts, mm. which in these days, when you have that kind of system of constituencies, that's a smart thing to do. Like, it's why smart. are you bothering trying to win a seat? You know, you can't win. Right, I haven't got anything else to say on that one. I think Trump. Yeah, I'm convincing myself here. I think Trump's going to do it. Again, I ask you the question, just because he will win and you're seeing this, the tide turning this way, do you want him to win? Part of me wants him to beat Hillary because I love, I, I, I love Schadenfreude, right? I love the fact that back in 2008, everyone was acting like it was owed to Hillary and then out of nowhere, a black guy comes and takes it away <laughs> from her. And yeah, do you know what? The, the Schadenfreude loving part of me that's seen a lot of people going, this historic moment where Hillary Clinton is going to be our first female president if on the day it turns out that Trump actually just just beat her to the post I would laugh because oh god there's going to be so many tears like on live TV they're going to be crying because Trump won part of me is a bit like that's way more interesting than Hillary Clinton just winning it easily we're back movie talk so this week I went to see a Danish film called The Commune well that's the at least the English translation In Kimin directed by Thomas Vinterberg you like Thomas Vinterberg I like Thomas Vinterberg so this film The Commune it's set in the 1970s when communal living and free love is all the rage and uh you have a couple 
the family, two parents, mum, dad, 14-year-old daughter. The husband's father dies, so is bequeathed. Is that the right word? The house is bequeathed to him? Yeah, he's in, he inherits. Yeah, I'm trying to sound smart and pretentious there. But the house is too big as far as he's concerned for just the three of them. Mm. And the wife, she wants, she's kind of getting bored of her life. She wants to live a more bohemian lifestyle. Yeah, this is the 70s where random great thoughts are coming happening. Yeah, she wants to be more cosmopolitan. So she suggests that they should start a commune. And uh, she persuades the daughter that it's a good idea. And the husband, Eric, trying to appease his wife and daughter, goes along with it, right? He He's begrudgingly begrudging. goes yeah, into Yeah, exactly. This. Now, I mean, the film itself, it's not perfect, but I did actually really, really enjoy it. Is it all about the wacky hijinks of, what's it like? I just found some naked penis, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of flaccid penis there. Yeah, but these are the wacky hijinks of seeing it. You know, the slapstickness of, oh my God, I saw her naked. Oh, no, 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 no. There's nothing like that. They, they have absolutely no qualms. They're not British. They're not repressed yeah. like that. They have no qualms being naked around each other or what it's, have you. Right? This is a but character piece. You don't exactly. It doesn't shine a light on communal living, really. Yeah. You don't get any insights from it. Okay. It's really, the story really is about the couple. You had to travel high and low to find this. Yeah, it came out last year in Scandinavia. Yeah. And then I think BFI showed it like back in January, maybe. Yeah. And then I saw it at the ICA in the mall. Yeah. The uh, Institute of Contemporary Arts. But they only showed it for one night, one showing. That was yeah. it. One screening. It's crazy. It's like when we had to see High Rise, uh, when I went to see High Rise, yeah, and when hard. we went to go see Green Room, we had to find specialist cinemas to play. Mm. Yeah, so it's about... Eric and Anna, and like you say, it's character-driven. Yeah. More than situational or slapstick comedy setups mm. or anything like that. And this that. is a comedy. Dr- dramedy? It's a humorous, humorous film. It's mostly drama. Like I say, it's character-driven. Yeah. Which is why I liked it a lot, because I think that's something that's lacking in a lot of the Hollywood films I've been seeing lately. It's more set pieces, more action, more about the CGI. and You go into it thinking... Because it's called the commune, and in the trailer, the uh, the like the first big part of the trailer is them picking people to come into the commune and live with them. But like I said, you don't. It really doesn't give you any insights whatsoever, and it's character driven in the sense it's maybe maybe character driven is not the right word. Maybe performance driven, like the wife Anna and the husband Eric, but to a slightly lesser extent. Mm gave absolutely amazing performances. The kind of performance where you are totally sucked in. and Engaged. You, you create that emotional connection. Mm. You're emotionally invested in them. Yeah. You like them and you care about what happens to them. The woman who played Anna. Yeah. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing this correctly. Give it a try. Trin Drillhome. I would never have pronounced it that way, but go on. Well, how would you say it? It doesn't matter. I would <laughs> never have pronounced it that way. You're such an opposition member <laughs> of the government. <laughs> but her delivery was outstanding. She was the mother. Yeah. And like I say, this is something I think is missing from a lot of the Hollywood films we've been watching. But basically, in terms of uh, explaining the plot a bit more, the husband is an architect and also to make sure he's continuously earning money, he's teaching as a professor, teaching architecture, right? Yeah. And one of his students, very attractive, blonde. She's like the younger version of his wife, essentially. Which is a brilliant little directorial idea. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of that. So he starts falling for her. She starts falling for him. Yeah. And because they live in this communal house, mm. uh, and then, like I say, it's the 1970s when free love was like all the rage. It was the en vogue. He basically just says to his wife, kind of like, kind of bluntly, basically, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with one of my students. I've been sleeping with her the last few weeks. 
I want her to come to the house to live with us. And so the wife, like I say, she wanted a more exciting bohemian lifestyle. She made the bed. She has to lie in it. Yeah. So she begrudgingly goes along with that. But she phrases it in the way of, okay, she can come and stay for a little bit. And then she has to go. But he doesn't get that. Eric, the husband, doesn't really understand that. He thinks she's saying, yeah, she can come and live fully as a member of the commune. And so the story really is about them and their relationship and also as like a subplot the daughter through her what i took from the film is Mm. it's about life continuously goes on and it's dynamic it's always changing you're never quite there's no status quo in life Mm. it's dynamic it's free-flowing and it passes on it passes on to a new generation and then they go through their experiences of love and loss and what have you and it's about it's like a microcosm of life see it sounds very much like a, a a standard Thomas Vinterberg story right. where we're given, the audience is given a bigger picture of the world, but the characters only ever see their shadows on their side of it. He's so. got a way of making the characters completely realistic. They're not exaggerated in any way. They're grounded. Completely, yeah. And that helps you establish that connection with them because then you you can relate to them more because they're not turning up to 11. They're not larger than life and what have you. You were saying, <laughs> you, you, you're referencing Western cinema uh, or, or Hollywood. Because, I mean, when we say Western, when we talk about film, yeah. we talk hollywood Mm. it's just a story being told because that's what film is Mm. it's a storytelling medium this is a slice of something and it's up to us to come in enjoy it dislike it interpret it in whatever way and what have you but hollywood like you i think this is what you're getting at hollywood is a money-making machine it's the franchise Mm. the ip the story doesn't matter it's as long as people recognize something and they buy the ticket yeah yeah so you talked about the movie Rams before as well. Icelandic. Like, yeah, yeah, Icelandic, this northern European. Scandinavian. Scandinavian. Yeah, type, yeah. Are you getting into those movies? Are you enjoying them? They, I, these, like, I mean, they're very character-based. I like Trollhunter. Trollhunter, yeah. brilliant. Is that Swedish? That is a Swedish film. Was it Norwegian? I can't remember. It's a Scandinavian. Yeah, exactly. It's the same, similar region. It's, it's, it covers that gamut because... Yeah, I'm starting to like... And it's kind of like how I was getting into Japanese cinema around uh, turn of millennium. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's more about the characters, their situation and your connection with them. It's mm. not about set pieces. You're almost not... You, as well, I quite respect you in this because you're not fetishizing mm. these these cinemas because you get a lot of people going like, I'm totally into manga. I'm totally into Japanese films like that. Why? Because it's so different to who I am. To, you know, like, it's not but a it's cool so, thing. But it's so yeah. close to it. It's just a different angle. It's not the hipster call. Yeah. I was into this before you. It's not that, obviously. No, it's just film is a storytelling medium. Mm. And Hollywood, I think, has taken their eye off of that. Look, look, talk about Ghostbusters. Where was the real story element in Ghostbusters, the the, the remake? No, it was a series of sketches. And references. Ref, yeah. Remember this film? You remember that together? film? Yeah. Yeah, there was no real story. I didn't give a shit about the characters. One of the characters I kind of actually started hating towards the end. Mm, ah, but that's a reaction, isn't that enough? Yeah, but I, I'm not supposed to hate her. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and in this, it's how... Why can't you have both of the big epic spectacle mixed in with character development, story arcs, and things like classic tales of redemption and what have you? As you said, like with uh, Troll Hunter, that's got the wonderful spectacle to it. Yeah, it does, yeah. But it's got the grounded characters and story in it. But don't get me wrong. We, the audience, are fucking retards. 
Some are. Most are. And some 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 is being quite generous. Some people laughed at Ghostbusters. Amazingly. How do you feel about Hollywood cinema in general, though? Because I've stated kind of what I think about it in terms of lack of emotional connections and too much spectacle. Well, unfortunately, Hollywood is where a lot of films get done. I mean, we're talking like the tiny budget film to the huge budget film. I mean, we've already talked about the death of the 10 million pound, mer- yeah. 10 million dollar movie. Tragic. I'm, I'm seeing such great films coming out in this tiny budget. Because you're getting an idea, but you're also getting directors trying to work around these tiny budgets to tell interesting stories. Should we be more grateful for the green rooms and we films should. like that? We should. And we should also hope that this is a generation of people making these tiny budget movies, being given larger budgets, right. who are going to influence the next generation. I don't know. I think it looks to me like the big... You know, there's like six big studios. Yeah. They've got their formula, and they like... They're trusted directors. And this is why it's hard for female directors to break in because they've already got a lot of male directors that they trust and they're like, oh, they've got they've got a track record. Let's go mm. back to them. I mean, it's why M. Night Shyamalan still... He has a terrible track record. Yeah, still making movies. Why the fuck is he still making He's movies? He's still banking on the one uh, Bruce Willis... Six Unbreakable. Cents. Six Sense. Six Sense, yes. He's still trading off of that success. Yeah. Fucker. Do you think the future is bright for Hollywood? Do you think it's going to turn it around? No. No, it won't. What we'll do is we'll get more of the same shit. It's like you have the Suicide Squad and the Batman Superman stuff. All these rewrites reactionary to what the audience want. Fuck what the audience wants, all right? What they think they want. We need to show, need to tell a tale. It's it's a debt-based economy on Hollywood. It doesn't matter what it is. That's why all they're doing is selling franchises people already recognize. Let that be the final word. Wait, one one sec, one sec. Okay, quick. Would you recommend people seek out Commune? On DVD, or if they can find it in their home cinema. But yeah, I personally would recommend it. It's not perfect by any means. It's not a 9 or a 10. It's a solid 8. Would you check out any other movies this guy's done? On the back of this, yes. And the actress who played Anna, the Trin Drillholm. Pronounced that wrong, but whatever. Go look it up. Go Google it. Ladies and gentlemen, that was episode 21 of the Tom, Dick and Hyman show. 21, oh my god, we're legally allowed to drink in America. Yeah, damn straight. All that's left for us to say is uh, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and uh, also follow us on Twitter, at TDH Show. Goodbye. Till next time. 